Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. I am super excited today because I have a guest that I've been looking forward to speaking to for a very, very long time. It is Michael Schmitz, the guy behind the site Smarter German. And those of you learning German will undoubtedly have heard of, uh, of Smarter German before. He's also the author of How to Learn German Faster, great titled book. He holds a master's degree in German as a foreign language and has been teaching the language all the way back since 1999, I believe. Um, after teaching in traditional language schools for many years, Michael grew increasingly frustrated with the mainstream approach to teaching languages and decided to branch out on his own and begin teaching German in a more effective way. And in the conversation, you're going to hear lots of different things. We're going to talk about um, tips for beginner and intermediate German learners, maybe some common mistakes, especially among English speakers, and also lots of, lots of resources for learning German as well. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to talk to you because, um, you know, uh, in uh, with with my business, we teach lots of different languages, uh, including German. And um, in all my research for for German, every time I come across the question of like what, who out there teaches German, who who out there has good resources for German, your name is always at the top of every single list. So you are you're doing something right. And, um, and I, so I've been really looking forward to, to talking to you for some time because um, I know that learners who learn with you have fantastic results and really, really um, respect your, your methodology. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to talking to you today. Could you give us a little, little background to, to you and what, what your interest in language is? Uh, where to begin? Yeah? I'm an old, old man, so there's a lot to tell, but let me try to keep it short. So... I think my interest in learning languages started when I was 18 years old and fell in love with a young American lady. And uh, we had a little liaison for a couple of months, but uh, that really sparked the interest in doing everything I love in English. And you have to understand that was 30 years ago. There was no internet yet, or at least not available to the public. Uh, a library was something that my household, my parents really didn't introduce me to. So all we had was some really grainy, um, private TV uh, where I could watch uh, Star Trek Next Generation. So I loved that, luckily. And I was reading Stephen King books, which I could find maybe at some train stations or uh, the nearest library, which was half an hour by car away. But um, somehow that did the job and I got really sucked in and, and I just followed my heart there. And from that day onwards, um, I was just fascinated by the language learning process itself. 20 years later, or maybe not that, that much longer later, I um, decided to go to Poland and just to experience life there and experience myself in a different culture. And I was out of money. So I hadn't learned anything properly. So someone said, why don't you teach German? They look for native speakers. And that's the only qualification you need. And um, I applied at Berlitz, which is a very successful worldwide franchise and uh, they took me and that was the beginning of my career. Uh, today I would never do this again. I would not work with Berlitz ever again, not because <laughs> people were not nice. It's just the methodology is just, you know, 
it's good marketing, let's say it like that. But, but that shows the core of the problem that we will possibly address later. They were teaching everything in German. It was basically show and tell. I say something, you repeat something and you maybe change a little element. That's a nice exercise. But if that's the main exercise, it's, it's incredibly dull and inefficient. And this is how I got into this whole thing. And I, I struggled and I suffered teaching this way. And I didn't know why at that point, because I was young, naive and new to the business. And over the years, when I started studying German as a foreign language, uh, I came across someone, uh, Wolfgang Butzkam, beautiful man, uh, we are friends nowadays, who opened my eyes uh, in regards of why I struggled and why many, many German learners struggled with the language. German has a reputation to be a difficult to learn language, which I honestly disagree with. There's far more difficult languages out there, but it's the methodology that usually sucks. And I, for me, that was a revelation. And from that point onwards, I was just experimenting and trying and see what does the job better than what's currently out there. That's basically a summary. Of. Fantastic. I, you know, I suspect we could have a very long conversation about teaching languages, and maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll get there, uh, get there later. But I, I was struck by what you said at, um, at the beginning of that introduction, which is something that I often think about, which is the fact that I also started learning languages before the not before the internet, but before the, the internet was very useful for anything. And I, I know I have memories of you know being being in London and wanting to learn. French and you know pretty much the only thing I could do was go down to the local um I was in London I had the, there was the European bookshop in Soho in, in in London and I could browse the four or five learn French books that there were and they were all about grammar obviously and the, and the one book which was even then was called La Merde of course that's been around since, since the beginning but um uh, but those were the only options I had. You know, you couldn't get on French TV. I could buy a copy of Le Monde from one particular news agent. But there is a certain beauty, or there was a certain beauty, I think, around that restriction of resources because you just had no option but to focus on the thing that you had. So I'm curious how that experience of learning languages pre-internet affects the way that you teach German now? Well, I would say I was highly inefficient. Uh, the advantage I had uh, was that I was young and had a lot of time and I didn't mind being inefficient. So the, the passion for, for the experience, uh, the longing for this experience of understanding something completely new, a completely new culture and world out there, that actually drove me through uh, the painful material I had, although it was lovely and English and German are so related. It's, if you know the context, there's always a way to figure things out. I'm also very analytical, which I found out late. So uh, my, and it's constantly evolving, like you possibly also, your learning style will have evolved over the last years, right? Um, last decades even. So I always recommend for, to follow your heart because that was what got me going and also got me to a level of English in which I can do almost anything, yeah. And, uh, but this is not the only thing you should do. Uh, you, in my perception, in my understanding, you also need formal studies. So it's always about the mix of things. Yeah, you, formal studies help you, the form helps you to deal with a non-form, with that that cannot be put in a form, which is passion, emotion, communication, yeah? 
it needs to be free. There needs to be a flow of things. There needs to be creativity and spontaneity. And uh, that is what, for example, movies and books and Le Monde, all these things, they allow that. You can pick your weapon. You can pick what you actually want to deal with. So maybe this would be, maybe I'll just ask you directly then to outline your approach to teaching because you strike me as someone who has uh, very clear ideas on how you go about teaching. And that's certainly what I've heard from other students who, who, who have learned with you and what makes it so effective. So could you just lay out your approach such as, such as you have one? Yeah, I, I definitely have one and I will not bore anyone with uh, the details of saying step one, step two, step seven, but there's a couple of key principles that are uh, relevant. And I think what relates to this first experience uh, I talked about is that I have decided to teach German with help of a story, an interesting criminal story, because you want to know, okay, who's, who's the murderer? And uh, there's a couple of suspects and you, you really think and you're motivated to go to the next page which means learn more German and that's related to, to that experience and in addition to that I explain everything I instruct everything in English because it makes no sense whatsoever to do this in a language you do not fully understand yet there's other approaches out there like I said Berlitz and other language schools that teach you in German and you can learn like that, but it's so inefficient and frustrating because you still have to figure it out yourself. But why would I pay for that? So you always are in the clear about what to do and how to do it. And then you focus on the language and take that in. These are the two core principles of what I do. In addition to that, you combine all the skills you, you create or I have created exercises that allow you to practice every skill necessary, reading, listening, writing, even speaking. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm not personally involved in that training. It's all done by my online course and with the help of a couple of free online tools, but they do the job as good as a teacher, for example, in a group class. Yeah. So uh, this is basically the smarter German approach. You can actually, it's, it's easier for anyone interested to look at the free first lesson, which is, yeah is an insight in how the whole course works. And if that resonates with you, then the course is for you. And if it doesn't, then there's other materials out there for sure. You mentioned two things. You mentioned teaching with story and then instruction in English. The instruction in English, is that to explain the methodology and the process or is it to explain the language itself? Both. So there's the methodology and process is introduced step by step, because if you do it all at once, you get overwhelmed. It's, it's a little bit of work to get into it. But again, if you do it step by step, it's perfectly fine. And um, I also explain the grammar, the necessary grammar, not every final piece of it, because that also falls into place as you proceed. And grammar is something people are very often scared about, but on the other hand, they love it because they can hold on to it. Grammar is something very concrete and you can kind of understand grammar as long as you don't go too deep into the exceptions. And exceptions are also easy because they are not to be understood, they're just to be learned. So I also show you how to learn the things you cannot understand. And then what I do is also possibly a bit unique. I actually go through this whole story sentence by sentence and I relate it to the English language. So if there's any similarity to English, or let's say there's only a consonant that's different, and that's a kind of regular consonant sh uh, shift, like ship and shift, sheep and shaf, yeah, this 
change from P to F, then I point that out. And this way you kind of internalize, you, you are able to recognize words you haven't learned yet. And this way you can work with very little vocabulary right away. So you can work with a story even though you never have had a single German lesson uh, because I really take you by the hand and guide you through this very softly, very gently. And then you just float along. And of course you have to do work beyond that. Yeah, It's not just- It's not all floating. No, unfortunately <laughs> not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting hearing you, hearing you talk. I, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm listening to myself in many ways. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the principles that you're talking about here are, are, um, are music to my ears. What would your, I want to come back to the, the, this, this the thing that I mentioned earlier, which is I've just heard so many students um, praise your, your approach. What would your students, if I, if I sat down with, with one of your typical students and I asked them, you know, what makes this approach work? What would they say, do you think? Because you've, you've explained it in, in a, in a, from the perspective of the teacher, what, what, what would the, the learner say? Uh, two things that come to my mind, uh, maybe because it's also very recent, I get that feedback um, very often. So one thing is that they kind of realized that they have been worrying about things that were completely irrelevant. So I, what my course does or seems to do is to take worry off your chest, because worrying is, is very, it takes a lot of energy away. So you can actually relax and just follow the instructions. You don't have to worry about instructions, uh, organization or understanding. So it puts you at ease. That's what I hear. And it makes things very clear. That's another feedback I get. People understand what things are about. And that's, if you ask me why that is, I would say it has to do with the English language, but also with my very analytical understanding of the whole matter. So I took everything apart and put it back together in a way that it makes more digestible and enjoyable yeah. you can teach grammar rules which are beautifully complexly uh, put together sentences or you simply explain it in simple words yeah and and this is what i'm really good at and uh, people just finally they they feel like they can see and this is the feedback i get so you're really facilitating the process of noticing the yes. nature of the, of, of the language yeah, the aim, well, the aim, as, far, as much as you can uh, aim for it, is language awareness. The more you are aware of what you hear and uh, what you say or write and produce, um, the more fun it is, more revealing, and also the, the clearer it gets. Yeah, And then the better you understand, the easier it is to connect the new information to the old information that you already have available. And as an English speaker, which you need to be to work with my course, you already have such a huge asset which is the english language it's it's a gift yeah but what's missing what language schools are often missing out on is exactly relating to that gift to that asset and uh, if you know you also teach in english right um, yeah so uh, there's a reason for that maybe what's maybe what's your reason what's why are you doing that you also teach with stories right so yeah i mean, I mean well so when i first started teaching english i, I taught english for years and i was you know, there's a there's a kind of commonly accepted um, thing in the English language world, which is all, you should always teach in the target language. So you yes. know, you do your you do your teacher training, and they say, oh yeah, always keep keep the keep the target language in English. And this this is kind of acceptance that that's just the way it is. It also just happens to be very convenient for native English speakers who usually don't speak the other lang the language of the students anyway. So it's like a kind of get out of jail free card. You know, but but. 
but I don't, I've never seen any particular rationale. It, it's just a, it just strikes me as a, as is often the case in language learning, it sounds right. Yes, you should always mm -hmm. teach in the target language. Oh yeah, that makes intuitive sense. Yeah, let's just all go along with it. But it always struck me that, um, that you just save so much time and make so much more um, progress if you could explain things in the language of the, of the, of the students. So when I was teaching in, in Japan, I would as, as much as possible relate, relate the stuff that I was teaching to, um, to Japanese to speed things up. But then students have also been indoctrinated in this idea, oh yeah, everything has to be in English. So yeah, so these days, because my audience is English speakers who are learning other languages, um, it does make sense to, to, to have English as the language of instruction. Um, because the alternative would be a, a complete free-for-all. We'd have to make a, to 200 versions of every course to, um, to, to meet the target language of the student. Um, but it is interesting how many, how many different approaches there are out there. And I think the thing that you, that you do very well is also what we do with story learning is, is a very, as I understand it, very hand-holding approach to the early stages. And that's not what a lot of people, a lot of people do. I was having a, I had an interview just this morning with another um, language company who take the exact opposite approach where it's just, here's huge amounts of material, go off and use it until you, until you learn. And it strikes me that that's great if you're a kind of independent learner who already understands their own method. But what, where I like to focus, and it seems that you do as well, is for, and where I think I can have the most impact is for people who have always struggled with traditional methods and to give them an alternative way through. Well, there's one more thing I would like to add. So hand-holding uh, is, is right, but at the same time, my aim is to make the learner independent from any teaching, any tutor, any course. So initially, the initial steps, it's good to just know where the path goes or a path goes. And after a while, you feel like, oh, I am actually good at this. I, I know how to learn now or how to learn efficiently. And we all grow up with learning techniques that we learn in school. But these techniques were not necessarily taught by our teachers. We just developed them because they got us through this whole experience. And some people got through it better, others worse. But even those who got through school easily, like me, I really understood the system and hacked it all the time. Um, I could have done better. And that I found out when I went back to school after having worked a little bit for three years, I realized there is better methods of learning certain kind of information. And, and this knowledge I've been applying ever since, since I'm 20 years old. So the aim must be to provide you with tools, make you familiar with them, and then you can apply these tools with real world material, because that's the ultimate goal. You want to exist in the real world, not in the language learner world. Yeah, so you and I, we use tools to facilitate learning indeed, but at one point you really need to just step out of there, take a risk and expose yourself to the world with the bit of German that you already know. Mm. And you fail and you fail, and, but still keep going. My old piano teacher at, uh, I went to music college and my old piano teacher used to say, look, my job is to get you to the place where you don't need me anymore. And I always thought, I always yeah, thought beautiful. that was like, you know, if you can express that as the teacher, then, you, you know, you've got, you've got the, the student's um, best interests at heart. So yes. the thing, the thing with this approach, I guess, is that you are quite reliant on the method and, and the teacher in order to facilitate that. So have you learned other languages in, in recent, in recent years? And if so, how do you 
get that method for yourself from 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 elsewhere yes a, a very good question so i i've in recent years i have try to learn Dutch because I had a girlfriend in the Netherlands, which I saw regularly. And uh, Dutch is very close to German. So for me, it was enough to read. I couldn't really speak because I didn't have to speak much. Yeah. So the problem, I, I, I actually encountered the same problems as my students. If I And I'm a lazy learner. There was no real need to go further. I didn't have the motivation. And I don't force myself to have a motivation because... I have no use for it. I'm, I'm old enough. So I pick my battles and my battle was not the Dutch language. I love the Dutch language. It's beautiful. So, but in the years back, uh, so I wished I had a course like mine. I could follow. I'm too lazy, to be honest, to create a course like this for the Dutch language, just for myself. I would, if I had the motivation, do it for all the others out there that want to learn Dutch but it's such a small language. It's not really worth the effort. I prefer to spend my time with other things. Yeah. So I expose myself to the language to I read sub Dutch subtitles still in, in certain um, series I watch, but um, that's just for fun. I just enjoy it. I don't want to learn it formally anymore. What, what other things do you spend your time on? Uh, it's a, <laughs> so I spend a lot of time in, in indeed researching ways of learning faster and um, how I can optimize the techniques that I have. I really, really love that. My, my big dream is to have uh, at one point machine learning tool or let's say artificial intelligence tool, which is decades to, uh, away uh, with which you could practice speaking. So the closest we got to this is uh, Alexa, which we try now to free from Amazon and put it on our own server. And that way you can really have someone who's patient, who corrects you to the point without feeling any shame or feeling any pressure and and shame and pressure are very difficult obstacles to overcome and machine learning or machines can help us to do that and this is all to prepare you to communicate with real humans of course yeah that's the ultimate goal if you mm. want to speak i'm uh, is it, I, i'm intrigued that you um uh, that you're an ai fan because i find myself um <laughs> f fighting running battles with the idea of of uh of AI, it seems to me, I mean, the, the applications are, are clear and it clearly is gonna get better and better. But I, I guess I like to kind of romanticize, maybe over romanticize the process of language learning in a, in a sense, because I, I, I believe that the, the struggle that we go through is just fundamental to the process. And that although we hate it at the time, you look back on it and you think, oh, those were the, those were the days when I was struggling with the language. That's when I was actually learning. So I, I, I find myself in, intuitively rejecting the, the idea that there is a technological solution to language learning. And if there is, if there is a technological solution, it would be a solution to the extent that it can help us do what we do naturally better rather than, what, rather than how I tend to look at language learning apps, which is just promising a shortcut where, where none exists. Yeah, if, if you look at the current apps that claim to use machine learning and, and AI, uh, I'm, I'm also not satisfied. And it's not about facilitating or taking the work off your chest, but it's taking the emotional baggage off your chest. And, and that's in the way. So you still have to struggle. I totally agree. Um, what comes easy is, is not really valued by people. And possibly also learning requires resistance, requires a struggle. Yeah. It is always uncomfortable at one point, 
But the question is, do you have to add to that discomfort in order to make the learning more interesting or more valuable or more valued in the end? And I don't think so. And, you know, you can hire me for, I, I charge way too much money, but let's say you charge a cheap German tutor for $20 an hour and uh, you pay her to just correct you when you speak. And, you, you know, you need a certain amount of hours, let's say, I don't know, 100 hours of speaking practice to get to a certain level. That's $2,000 um, alone for that. That's a lot of money. AI does that for free. And, and you, I, so I'm a bit practical here as well. Plus, again, the AI gives you feedback and it says, hey, the article wasn't right. Can you take a look? It doesn't say, look, this article is wrong. This is the correct article. That's a horrible way of correcting because it, it takes the authority away from you. You're still in the authority of learning and of learning from your mistakes. The AI just kind of gives you a mirror. Hey, look, this is what it looks like. This is what I hear. And, and that is a beautiful opportunity. But in the end, it's all about experiencing yourself speaking, using the language and also receiving it ideally with human beings. But that's the practice, not the learning. Yeah. Practice and the application. And, and that, who wants to talk to a computer? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, so, right? Uh, I mean, one of, the, one of the, I think one of the biggest pleasures I've had from language learning over the years has been going for coffee with a language exchange partner and just spending that time practicing. And, and yeah, and often it's horribly inefficient and they, they want to speak English all the time. So you have to tell, no, stop speaking, stop speaking English. This is my time to practice Cantonese or whatever. So I can see the, the efficiencies of, uh, of AI are there to be seen, but, but your explanation there was, was, was seems good because it is, it seems to be what I was trying to articulate earlier, which is that it's, it's not trying to replace the tuition. It's just giving you more streamlined practice of what you need to do anyway. So that will be an exciting development uh, when that, when that comes along. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So it, or I realized that it really takes the, pre we always, or many of the students I meet, let's say, put a lot of pressure on their shoulders. Yeah. They say, I have to, I should do. And I'm not fast enough. I'm not good enough. All these things are always there for many, many people I meet. And while I can't really solve it, I'm not a psychologist. Um, I can take part of that pressure from them so that they can breathe a bit more. Yeah. And, and this is what the technology helps me to achieve. And the technology is just a tiny part of, of the whole experience, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That the, um, as the, in teaching, as they call the effective factors of you know, how you feel about learning are, are extremely powerful. And I, I'm often, um, I mean, shyness is one thing, but I, I also find a lot of language learners se mm -hmm. seem to, um, they have, uh, I'm always careful how I choose my words with this, but, but <laughs> social anxiety is quite common among, among language learners. And I know this because I received many emails from people um, bemoaning their their social anxiety and saying oh, I'd love to practice speaking but but I'm extremely anxious and I I find this in I, in some ways I can relate to this and in, in other ways I find it very difficult to relate to but it's a very real phenomenon and so I think it, it's clear that anything that allows you to get meaningful practice without having to also deal with the the social interaction that yes. comes with being face to face with someone is going to be very beneficial. Yeah. How did you, you know, I know you're polyglot, right? So you're, you're possibly not as shy as, as many others. So how do you deal with this speaking, even though it's not perfect? Or do you prepare yourself until you feel you're perfect and then go out? So I actually, I, I actually do 
I'm actually fairly shy. It's not, it's not something which comes across, I think, because of the, the online work I do, you know, you get practice at, at being, you know, mm-hmm. presenting yourself. But I do, so for me, my language, my, my confidence in speaking is like a big U shape. So it starts off, you know, in the first couple of weeks of learning a language, I learn a few words and I'm really proud to use them and I'm super confident and I don't care if I make mistakes. But then after a couple of weeks or a couple of months, I feel right. I, so I should know this language now and my confidence drops to the ground because I'm now aware of all the mistakes I'm making and I have a certain amount of pride. And then if I carry on long enough to get to a kind of upper intermediate B2 level, then I'm kind of confident enough to speak to anybody because I want to show off, right? So Mm -hmm. the difficult time is actually the entire period between, you know, A1 to to B2. And And I often struggle with that because I don't, I am fairly... I don't like going up to strangers in the street and talking to them. I don't like kind of being on stage and having to speak other languages. I find that quite uncomfortable. So my main strategy is making heavy use of language exchanges. And um, well, these days I, I, I hire tutors more often than not because it's just more, more time efficient and I'm able to, to afford it. Um, so I will just, you know, have a lot of time with, with tutors paying, paying for that time to practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's yeah, with tutors and language exchanges, right? You you know what you want. And it's a safe. It's a safe. I mean, I hate this term safe safe space, but it is a safe space because once you have that relationship with them, you feel you can speak and experiment, try things out with no downside. You know, you can't you can't um, you're not they're not going to laugh at you. They're not going to you know yeah, you're not going to no. seem seem silly. So what you're really what I think the the the, the search for learners who need to practice speaking is about finding that safe person who they can practice, safe personal people who they can practice with. Yeah. Language exchange is a whole different rabbit hole. Um, maybe to indulge in that at one point, but there's, yeah, I can see where you come from and it feels like you're the one in control when you do these things. Yeah, very much, very yeah. much. And you're very disciplined and because you have to, otherwise, how can you get to, five to ten languages i don't even know how many languages you speak uh, i possibly heard you once in in some conference but yeah, uh, i don't know anymore <laughs> yeah see, so yeah there's a certain discipline and you 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 know the path for yourself and the, and you, you know how it works and, yeah. and this is the, the problem not many people have this confidence or actually have this knowledge and experience at first well i think it's yeah. experience it's I don't, the confidence comes from the experience yes but it's about it's about getting that first you've got to find that first piece of confidence from somewhere and yeah. then the snowball effect begins. And... Yeah. I tried this myself. It was funny. I, uh, I was trying to learn Greek a couple of years back. And uh, I, I worked with Alex Rawlings as well. And uh, another teacher, I think, or two other teachers. But I, I found myself like being a horrible student for them. Because I thought, like, I want to try these things. I was just curious. I tried different things and want to learn something of, for myself. Like, how am I doing this? And... Uh, poor them, I have to say. I, they were really patient and uh, was was lovely to work with them. But I, I, uh, I would have hated to have a t- learner like me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, as um, as two teachers tend to do, we we ended up talking a lot about teaching. But let, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, about about German. Um, how do what are the what are the common struggles that you see beginners? making or having um when they're learning german 
Yeah, there's two biggies uh, or three actually. And the first one is, uh, well, I'm not sure whether it's the first one, but one of the top three is the articles and the declination, right? So you have, I think, six different articles and you have four cases. So you end up with possibly having 16 different forms of the article plus different sorts of articles. Yeah, you have definite, indefinite, negative, and then you have demonstrative and God knows what kind of articles. So that kind of really blows you away. If you see at it, if you try to understand it and, and deal with it at once. So you have to do it step by step. And, and that's actually all you need to do. Yeah? Just take it step by step. And I teach you with a beautiful mnemonic device how to memorize the gender of the nouns. It's actually fun. People, it's the first thing people get exposed to in the sample lesson, uh, mental association, which everyone can do who can, yeah? If you close your eyes and I say mother, so that what comes up is is all you need. It doesn't have to be a clear picture. It can just be an emotion, can be an idea. And if you use that skill um, with German genders of nouns, then uh, you'll be fine. And the other thing is sentence structure. Although, uh, while it is fairly easy, I think, to make sense of a sentence, if you know where to start looking for the sense in the sentence, which is usually the verb, uh, people always after a certain time say, I'm, I'm struggling creating sentences for myself. People try to produce language way too early. You can do that if it's guided and structured. And some people can just play around with it. They are not shy in, in the regard of making mistakes and making horrible sentences. But you shouldn't, in my experience, expect to create beautifully structured sentences anytime soon. You need knowledge first. You need exposure first. You need to understand certain things first, and then it comes. But exposure is basically key to, to getting an intuition about how things should be. Yeah, Knowledge about sentence order is good. That also is, of course, being taught. But in combination with exposure, that makes, that makes it. Yeah, That does the job. And the third one was the same. Like People expect to speak like they are used to speak in their native language way too early. You can try, but it's if you don't blame yourself for trying and for messing up all the time, all good, beautiful, please speak all, all you want. I started with, as I said, with um, Berlitz, and they make you speak from day one, but it's guided speaking. They make you repeat things, even though you don't know how to pronounce things, you sound silly. It's a very labor-intensive process, and it's unnecessary. First, get exposure, listen, learn to listen better, and then add to your speaking. You practice speaking with my course already, but it's very guided and it gives you instant feedback. It's very important that you get feedback for how you speak, but not in a way that blocks you or kind of you, you say, oh no, I have made a mistake. So these three things are very prominent and they, they really are a buzzkill um, if they get hold on you. It is interesting how the, the, the problems that you've highlighted there and the struggles that you've highlighted are not really language problems, but they're more um, yeah. um, they're more problems of... Or, or questions of um, of attitude and approach and managing organization your, managing your own yeah managing your own your own learning but the, but the exception was with, um, with with noun genders and you mentioned mnemonic devices how how does that scale so obviously in the early stages you 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 know for every when you're learning new words it's um, it's a useful approach especially if you're new to noun genders which english speakers are uh, it gives you something to hold on to how does that approach the, like scale as you spend more time learning and as you as you get to a higher level because I, I imagine one of the issues is that 
is the, the time that it takes to create these mnemonics. And um, so how, how do you see that, that, that technique traveling with you through the, the language learning journey? Well, uh, the noun genders, that's actually two seconds per noun. And let's say you need 1,500, 2,000 nouns. It's 2,000 seconds. You calculate that. It's a couple of hours. And you do it as you go. It's, it's really just close your eyes. You imagine, oh, table. It's a superhero table. It's flying through the air, and the superhero is having dinner with it. And that's it. And me explaining it takes longer than doing it. <laughs> so that is actually very easily uh, used. There is, a, of course, there are mnemonic techniques that help you take a word apart into its, or use the sound to create a similar sounding uh, helper word yeah, that helps you connect it to the meaning. That it's is it's, a always, I don't it's not always that quick, is it? I mean, it's sometimes, you know, you have these blocks on, on certain words and you yes. can bang your head against the wall for five minutes trying to think of something. And you, yeah, then you can, but that's exactly, um, you learn this. You need to, of course, some people are really not used to using imagination, you know? And, but everybody can do it. There's very few people who have so-called aphantasia, aphantasia, yeah? which means I cannot really imagine anything, but that's, that's a tiny number. So it's possible. And again, you, you're new, you're a learner. You're not born, you're born with the ability to learn, but that doesn't mean that everything comes easy to you. It's a skill. Every skill takes time until you feel a little bit more confident and fluent in it. So take it step by step. And after six weeks latest, you just say, snap there's a picture and if there's not a picture if there's a we call them hartnäckig um, stubborn words yeah or stubborn elements in language learning you put them in a little notebook that you call the black book yeah and uh, you just let it lie somewhere and let it ripen and after a couple of weeks you look into this and see, ah, now it makes sense sometimes your brain just needs a break from trying to get something or trying to to break through something and if you learn how to handle your mind, which is an essential part of language learning and use uh, application, uh, the, the whole process, it's a lot of work. Come on, yeah. I, so you, you know, language learning is a marathon. It's, it's a lot of hard work. Yet, why, why mind? Because it's so beautiful. You go into, you, you work out to get a six pack. You, you just do it. It's, you don't, it doesn't feel like hard work or it does, but you feel positively exhausted afterwards. So it's not the problem that it's work. It's a problem that we add worry to it. We add like expectations to the game. All these things, they're all fine, but they're unnecessary. And if you, if you realize that and can let go of this a little bit only, yeah, nobody's perfect. You will always have expectations. It makes it a lot easier. So, um, but there's, you, there's one thing I forgot. So in number four in, in the problems people have is of course vocabulary. You know, vocabulary is very memory intensive and initially all the words are easy to remember, but uh, it gets more and more abstract and abstract information is a pain to remember. So uh, you need to really put this into a nice form or approach that it comes again and again, you need to repeat things in different ways and then you can deal with it. But these four things are really the main struggles that I can observe. Sure. And does that change at an intermediate level or is it, this, or is it a similar set of... Um... At intermediate level, it's indeed the same. It's, it's sentence structure and production, mainly production, because now people actually have to uh, mm. sound more intelligent. And, and that's it, the point where really, if you've, if you've learned a language to intermediate level, you start to think to yourself, right, okay, I really should be speaking by now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And vocabulary. See, A1 to, uh, A1 to B1 is like six months for three levels. And for B2, you have three months for one level. Yeah. So you see the intensity of B2. It is the exposure to highly abstract material, 
the grammar is done. It just gets a little bit more sophisticated. Grammar is the least of your problems in B2 in my eyes, but sentence structure, because now you have a different order of things at times and, um, and vocabulary, these are the main pain points, I would say. But you've learned more languages to that level than I have. So what would you say is the story? Well, it, it, I find it quite, quite language dependent um, because, so take a language like um, Spanish for an English speaker. Mm-hmm. As you, for, for me, at the higher you get, the easier the vocabulary gets because you tend to share words with Latin roots. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, scientific terms, technological terms, you can pretty much guess what they're going to be. Now contrast that, which is a huge relief. And it means that one, that, you know, the, the higher levels of, of a, a language like Spanish for an English speaker are within reach. Whereas you contrast that with a language from a different language family, like, like Japanese, for example, um, all of the cognates come at the beginning in these words that they steal from English, about 10% of vocabulary they use um, from English. But after that, the, the, as you get to higher levels, you have to work for every single word that you want or every single learning that, that you want to have. And so, um, so, you know, you hear stories of people preparing for the um, JLPT tests in Japan, the higher levels, and they literally stick post-it notes around their entire apartment, walking around to memorize this rote memory till the cows come home. And um, it's a very, very, uh, you know, it, you, you really are just dealing with memory in a very different way because with it, with a shared language or, or a close language, it's more about the observation and developing an intuition for the language. But with, with other languages, you really do have to work for each, for each, each one. And I, I don't speak German, so I don't know how that manifests in German, but oh. I imagine there's a lot of shared vocabulary with English as well. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I can see that actually, uh, it's the same. Yeah, the, the, it, de- it depends on in, in what field you actually bridge, uh, bridge out into. Yeah, so of course, in, in technical terms, let's say you, you are a medical student, you will find the Latin words, which you should know anyhow, whether you are English native speaker or Chinese. Yeah, it, it's based on Latin, so you will understand that. At that level, it gets if you specialize, then it gets more interesting about the cultural habits or the communication habits. How do you have a patient teacher, a patient doctor um, conversation, which differs vastly among the cultures? Yeah. And that is actually then the challenge. It's more of a cultural, mm. social challenge than uh, a technical uh, vocabulary one. But until then, there's a lot of words that still are difficult, especially if the words become longer. You have to deconstruct them a little bit and that takes a bit longer and so how how do you how do you advise students at an intermediate plus level to 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 work on their vocabulary do things you actually are interested in so follow your heart read books that you love or that you have to learn because of your professional career yeah if you want to become a doctor you need to be interested in medical stuff so read that stuff in german and uh, of course read it also in english so that you have a comparison and uh do things you love because then it doesn't feel like work. You just need to expose yourself to it long enough and you need to grow your awareness of how things are being expressed in German. That can only be done if you expose yourself to it in all possible forms. Michael, it's been fascinating to talk. You're a man after my own heart. Um, I really appreciate your, your approach to, to learning and your, and your perspective on learning. It's very, very refreshing to hear that. Um, if people would like to find out more 
uh, about you and about Smarter German, then where would you like to send them? Just enter smartergerman.com uh, and you'll be guided from there. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah. Thanks so much. And um, I yeah, will have to get you back on for a, for a round two sometime. With pleasure, Oli. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you as well. Thanks so much. You know, on this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about quite advanced concepts and ideas in language learning. But I also have a series of courses which are for beginners, because actually, more often than not, people come to me and say, look, Oli, I just want to learn this new language as a complete beginner. I want to learn Spanish or learn Japanese or learn French. You know, what do you have for me? And this is why over the last few years or so, I've been developing out this series of courses, which you know, I, everyone claims their method is the best, right? So all I'm going to say about these courses is that I've created these courses the way that I would like to learn a new language myself if I were starting out from the beginning. So, you know, it's it's my thing. It's my it's what I recommend. That's as much as I can say about them. The special thing about these courses, the unique thing, is that you learn through story. So, you know, I don't go in for any of these kind of technology gimmicks and apps and flashing lights and funny noises and things like that. I teach you through story. So right from day one, I get you reading a story in the language. You're reading, you're listening, right from the beginning, even when you don't understand very much. And then I come in and teach you through these video lessons. I help you uncover the language from the pages of the story, which is why these, course, these courses are called Uncovered Courses. Spanish Uncovered, Japanese Uncovered, Italian Uncovered. It really is a way to learn the language to a very deep level. You won't get the same instant gratification that you get from Duolingo, but what you will get is a solid foundation and thorough education in the language that is going to give you all the groundwork you need to go on to become fluent in the language. If you'd like to find out more about these, simply head over to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com and look for the courses option in the menu bar. That's IWillTeachYouALanguage.com and click on courses in the menu bar. That will show you all the different uh, beginner courses that we have uh, in all the various different languages. Once again, that is IWillTeachYouALanguage.com and click on courses in the menu bar.